This week's Four Questions Journalist Spotlight is brought to you by Lefts Atlanta Media, Atlanta's best journalist database. Subscribe at leftsatlantamedia.com. Welcome to another edition of our Four Questions Journalist Spotlight. We're talking today with Danielle Suggs, who is a prolific writer around Metro Atlanta. I don't, I'm going to say prolific because he's going to talk about a couple of publications for which he writes and, uh, one one more than one more than others, but uh, you know he's he's his name. You see his name in a lot of places, so we're gonna we're gonna talk through that. Good morning. Morning. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good on this uh, beautiful day. Um, you know, by the time this this airs, uh, you know, we'll have the results of the SEC game uh, on Saturday. So I'll be there. You you gonna be at the game? Yes. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Uh, in a personal or professional capacity? Professional, unfortunately. I went to school in New York, so I've got no horse in that fight. <laughs> it's all about the numbers and how it works out as far as business is concerned. Very good. Very good. All right. So so what I want you to let, – let's talk first. Just give me a little bit of background about, about you. you. You mentioned you're from New York. Can you give me a little background about where you come from and what brought you to the August position that you're here with now? Well, Atlanta has been my home for the last 15 years. So I got here in 06, and it's changed 500 times since I've got here. So my wife is born here, so I know it's changed 100 times for her. Um, I got here in 06, and I got here because I was going to work with the police department. I was uh, I had some, I worked with NYPD, and I transferred to Atlanta, and I thought that was going to be my move. And I kind of switched gears when my first love of journalism, the opportunity started coming with papers like the Atlanta Voice and the Atlanta Daily World, which no longer prints, but they had an office on Auburn Avenue when I got here. And I used to go there and I get my assignment and then we'd go out and get the paper every Wednesday over by uh, Auburn Avenue, that newsstand. So this is really old dated stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a shame about the, the Daily World not printing anymore. I mean, you still see it online, right. but uh, yeah. yeah. They but, still have that booth in the airport too, I believe. The, 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 they have the store, right? The, the yeah. Daily World store. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I saw it just recently, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so first journalism job, where did you, where did you start out? The Atlanta Daily World gave me an opportunity to cover the Hawks, yeah. if you can believe that. They, they didn't have anyone covering the Hawks. <laughs> and they say, new guy, do you want to cover the NBA? And coming from New York, you would have never walked off the street and had an opportunity to cover the New York Knicks or the Yankees or the Mets or the Giants or Jets. You just wouldn't. And I just couldn't believe that I had some college newspaper clips and a couple of freelance things here and there. And I just jumped at the chance. All right. And so, I so, so what year, so what year was that? Oh, oh, seven. Oh, seven. Okay. All right. So, so when I, when I worked at Turner back in late, late nineties, early zero zeros, they would part of the package, they would give you uh, tickets to the, to the Braves and the Thrashers and the, and the Hawks and the Hawks were not playing particularly well. Back in back then, uh, so so the idea was they would come around at like five o'clock in the afternoon and say, "Hey, who wants to go to the Hawks game tonight? Here's some tickets." And uh, but they were all tickets in a certain little section, right? So when they put you on TV, it looked like you know the the arena was pretty full, but they only showed the one section. That's right. that's that's the trick. So they don't have little, to do that anymore. They don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, I know. Isn't that nice? Change uh, last Saturday against the Knicks. So it's yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So Daily World. Okay. Well, so, that, so then what was the next step? Then the Atlanta Voice gave me a more expanded role of covering crime, schools, you name it. Just every week I had a story in the Atlanta Voice. 
And I've literally had a story in the Atlanta Voice almost every week since 2008. Wow. That's how, how far back we go. Okay, that's, never that's, on staff. that's, that's great. Yeah, I had a great yeah. relationship with the publisher, Janice Ware. She's been fantastic for me and a mentor. So no matter where I went full time, I always had an Atlanta Voice story due probably once every couple of weeks for that long. That's awesome. Yeah, we uh, we talked to to Don uh, Montgomery a couple of weeks ago about uh, what she's doing at The Voice. So I, I love the the digital changes that you guys are doing, and uh, mm-hmm. just really, she's really she and Janice. You, you guys, you guys are all putting putting a lot into it. So that's that's great to see. All right. So, but so, so that, and and you mentioned earlier that's that's a freelance component, right? right? So, but you have a full time job, right? Right. I well now I'm with the Atlanta Business Chronicle, which is unbelievable for when I started back then to think that I would be here. In the meantime, I had a whole lot of stops to get here. It wasn't just a big jump. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so let's, uh, we should, we should mention that. What were some, just so, cause, cause there, there are a lot of stops before you get to a place like the Chronicle. So what, what were some of the stops in between? How much time you got? We go Barrow County news, <laughs> right? Unless, so you're going up North then come on back down to the Clayton news daily. Uh, I was there when Robin was there and a whole bunch of Robin camp and a bunch of folks. Uh, then you got to go to the Noonan Times Herald. Uh, then I got to go to Houston County. So the Houston Home Journal, that was a long stop. That was uh, four, almost four years. I love that. Then you go to Savannah. I worked for the, uh, the Catholic Church's uh, newspaper, the Southern Cross. And that was for a year. Uh, what else? There's <laughs> a lot of stops. And then I came, um, after Southern Cross, I came here to the Chronicle. So in between that decade, there's about six or seven papers, yeah. Yeah, well, great. And, and that's a good geographic diversity. So, that, I mean, I, and I'm sure kind of knowing those different parts of the state is going to help you in, in, in your beat here at the Chronicle now, too, because you've got a, a more, you're broadly based. You're not just, you don't know just, not say just, but you don't just know Atlanta, Metro Atlanta, you know the broader metro area. I think it helped. I think it helped uh, in my recruitment for this job. I think it helped through my hiring process of not being someone who only knew the Atlanta business community. I right. worked in North and South and in between in middle Georgia. So I kind of came with some versatility and experience when I came over. All right. So talk about what, talk about your beat at the Chronicle now. What's your focus and what are, you, what are you supposed to be doing? Right now, I cover commercial real estate and development. So from either the ground lease of the of the land all the way up until this new building gets built and this is how many floors, this is how many units is inside and everything in between. The development, which is crazy in Atlanta because it never stops developing, obviously, uh, is my beat. So I can do a hotel one day and a multifamily apartment sale the next. So right. It's been really exciting. Uh, what, do you, what do you see as, you know, one, one or two of the biggest development opportunities happening in Atlanta right now? Well, it's always going to be multifamily. There's so many people moving here. You have to have apartments. You have to have apartments for people to live in. And there's no area in Atlanta that's not getting some type of development from Shambly and the Dunwoody area to central, that central perimeter area, all the way down to obviously Midtown. You see the cranes in the sky every second. And um, even downtown is getting a little love. So there's no area in Atlanta that's not getting some de- development. I saw some numbers this week that said that nationally – we were short some millions of people, millions of uh, homes, both both single, re- both residential and multifamily. I, and I can't remember what the number was off the top of my head, but it was millions of the shortage was millions of people who would would not you know couldn't have homes because there just, just were not enough. We don't have 
and I think it might be an American problem, but in this city, we're growing so fast. And unfortunately, what that means is you're building new product, which is very expensive. And you and I might be able to afford it, thanks to God, but a lot of people can't. So when you keep on moving here, you keep on coming here for that dream or what have you, and you get priced out, then it's like we don't have enough units, quote unquote, affordable units for people to be able to say, I moved to this town, I have this one regular job, and I can afford to live here. It just doesn't work that way in Atlanta. For yeah. Now. Yeah, and and then the, and certainly the price of building materials earlier in the year has been a huge issue. That's the price of lumber, from what I'm seeing, has come down quite a bit from what it was eight or nine months ago. I think it's still higher than it was two years ago. But part of that is a yeah, mm-hmm. part of that's a, a, a distribution and supply chain issue too, right? And the supply chain issues, we're working on a big story on that too. I, that's all I can say about that. They're improving, and those lumber prices have improved. And those are improving. We still need to get more truckers. There's a shortage in that. Someone's got to bring it, and we also need more um, workers. Some people have to work in these places, so there's a lot going on. Yeah, the, the trucking shortage is—I've seen a lot of stories about that, and, and I think uh, the, Georgia, I think, is trying to do some things to make it easier. I think for younger people to to truck across yeah. straight lines. Is that correct? Yes, and get their CDLs as well. It's been yeah. very difficult normally, and it's an insurance thing. A major company doesn't want to give nineteen-year-old Johnny, <laughs> this truck with, this, <laughs> with all this cargo on it. And say, right. Hey, listen, that's your CDL, kid. Good luck. It's like you need experience. So he has to be an yeah. intern, not an intern, but more of an apprentice and ride along for a year or two before he gets it. So it's a, it's a lot going on. It's hard <clears> to just get people into that job like you can get them into a restaurant job or a retail job. So yeah. different. Well, so many say, as you said, the insurance issues, the, the value of the cargo you're pushing. Exactly. Uh, and the, And just the you know, the mental capacity of an 18-year-old versus someone who's been driving for, for 10 or 15 years. Yeah, just the and, and that veteran driver is done with the long-haul stuff for two days, three days. Now he's like, I want to come home at night. So he's doing more of the shorter routes. 10 years, five years in the business, I don't want to do the overnights. That's what you get the 21-year-old guy for. You right. just have to get that 21-year-old guy trained. So it's right. really hard to keep that cycle going. Okay. What do you think about, you know, there's a lot of entertainment industry development going on. How, you know, t- talk for a second about places like uh, the uh, what Gray TV is doing with the assembly area. Yes. That project has been uh, on the works for a long time, and Gray TV kind of took advantage of the fact that they wanted to do something with it, and they needed someone to come in, and it's been really big. There's other things, Black Hall as well. There's a lot of things going on. Yeah. Uh, there's some stuff in Stone Mountain. I don't know if a lot of people know about that. I hope I'm not breaking any news. But there's going to be a lot, there's a lot of that going on in Atlanta. We've always kind of been in the mix. But now it feels like this is the other Hollywood. It's always been the other Hollywood, but it's starting to really start to feel like that. How many times do you pass uh, filming here signs or, you know, those, the crew, this crew, that crew signs? It's, it's, it's coming up. There are no areas that don't have it. Right. I know Black Hall is, uh, it, I think their plan is to double their, their space over the next two or three years. I know Ryan's, Ryan's, uh, Millsap has gone off and is kind of doing a different venture, but I know that I'm sure that expansion is still happening. His vision from what he and I talked about was always to really build the ecosystem around the studio. So you have all the subsidiary businesses that benefit from that. That's the and, big part of it. If you have a studio space, you can do whatever you want. That's why Tyler Perry Studios is a great idea. It was a great idea, and it's a profitable idea, obviously. He just films his shows on his block. I don't have to worry about finding space, sound right. space, sound pages, et cetera. Yeah, and, and that – and the biggest issue, I think, is just it's not even capacity. 
you know, it's just, well, it's not even finding the work. I mean, I, you know, five years ago, some of the studio operators here in Atlanta were telling me that, oh, yeah, we don't usually book more than six months in advance. And, you know, recently they're telling me we're, we're booked two years. Right. You know, just because, you know, obviously the tax credit in Georgia is a, is a great incentive. Passive incentive. Yeah. So that, that's bringing, I mean, 30% save, you know, tax incentive savings. Uh, on on big projects, so that's that's huge. But just a diversity of of scenes and settings and opportunities here in in Georgia is, is pretty incredible. I mean, our weather is a great advantage. Uh, it's hard to do a, a Christmas movie, maybe, but other rest of the times of the year, you can always film it in Georgia. You can. It's, it's easy to get to talk a crew into coming down down here in December, and you don't have to freeze your tail off like you would if you did a show in quote unquote Chicago. Right. Although I do remember being over in Stone Mountain a couple of years ago in, in the early fall and, and kind of doing a double take, seeing snow on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, and then I realized, oh, what are all these wires doing here? Like somebody, right. you know, is out on that little island in, in Stone Mountain that somebody was shooting a scene for for a Fox show and there was fake snow all over the place. How about that? Kind of, kind of. Okay, okay, that's that's interesting. All right. So, so uh, real estate development. What are some of the issues that general issues without telling me, you know, obviously you don't want to drop with specific stories, but are there some big specific issues that you want to be focusing on the Gulch or any, any, any of those kind of big developments there yes, that are important? Yeah. Centennial Yards. That's major. That project is, there's a story. We can do a story every week on that project one way or the other. And it's moving forward. It's moving slowly and it has to, there's a lot to do with the Gulch, but it's moving forward. So that's a major thing we have to keep an eye on. Yeah. And that's the, cool. uh, and, and you talked about affordable housing. You know, a lot of advocates have talked about the importance of making sure that whatever that development is, that there's a good percentage of affordable housing in the mix. And there's been some concern about that. Are, are you feeling like the city is going to enforce that, or are you still kind of dubious about that? Uh, Jeff, you know, I never lied to you before. I don't want to start lying now. It's so <laughs> hard to talk a developer into putting all the funding behind the project and say, oh, by the way, I need a, a third of it, a fourth of it to be a quote-unquote affordable. Even right. when it's quote-unquote affordable, it's really not that affordable to a majority of the people who want to live in apartments in Atlanta. It's just, it's a very difficult thing to do. It's, it's a hard promise to make. I know it's a campaign promise a lot of times. I know uh, Mayor, soon-to-be Mayor Dickens, has really been pushing that. And I think he's going to have some really cool ideas, but it's, it's just so hard to do. Now being on the side I'm on now, I know what kind of financing is behind it. Yeah. It's hard not to get to, for those companies who want to recoup their money and make a profit. So it's, right, it's different. Right. Well, and then you get the, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, here's, here's what the rent's going to be. But then mm-hmm. having, having the resources, the, the retail, the supermarkets around there for someone to be able to live there. Right. right? You say, okay, you know, we're going to, we're going to give a place to live here, Centennial, Centennial mm-hmm. Yards. But the nearest grocery store is where? A pot somewhere, maybe? Ponds will be, yeah, there's nothing downtown. As far as grocery store, no, right. you have to go right. to Ponds. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that project might have some, well, eh, it's more restaurant than anything else, but it might have some. Atlantic Station is what is the idea for me, what I consider a great urban mixed use development because it has a little bit of everything, but that's not right. cheap. Yeah, and and that's where someone says, okay, we're going to put in like a, a mini Kroger or something like that. It's not going to be a full mm-hmm. size, but it'll be big enough so that People can get food, fresh vegetables, and and that kind of thing within, you know, five hopefully a couple of miles of, of where they are. Right. That's going to be that's going to that is that is the challenge. Um, all right. So let's let's jump to the kind of the more challenging questions. 
So what, what's something, what, this, this is the hardest question I always ask people, is what's something cool and fun about you that people might not know? Well, I'm so transparent on Twitter that I don't know if people <laughs> have spent five seconds looking me up on Twitter and LinkedIn. You know my whole life, including <laughs> my son and what he's doing and what I'm having for dinner. I just believe in transparency. So what's the cool, I, I don't know. Um, I want to write a book. I don't know how cool that is. I do want to write a book. Um, well, what's, what's, your, what's your topic going to be? I'm still debating if it's going to be either regarding the supply chain issues we've had and, and, and how that system works. I'm learning so much about that. Like, I don't think we realize that when it comes on the ship from China, that's far from the last stop when it, when it docks. There's a lot of people involved. And I'd love to sit with those people and kind of go through that for a year. Yeah. You know, the guy that's, I mean, someone has, to pilot, someone has to drive the ship. Someone has to get the cargo ready. People stay on these boats for a long time. So it's always intrigued me. And then recently reporting on the story for that, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. I don't know if it's for everyone, but I'd like to spend a year doing that. So that's an idea that you would not get from me uh, on Twitter. I'm always, I'm always impressed that those ships don't roll over, you know, you're, you're right. stacked, you're stacked like all these containers up really high. I'm like, sure. yeah. And, and, and every once in a while you'll hear about one of them, you know, losing a container in high seas, but not very often. And I was thinking, man, who's, whose packages were in that box? Right. It's going to be at the bottom of the ocean back. forever. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting that back. That's out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, what is, give me a, give me a sampling. Last, I'll give you a choice here. Either the last book you've read or the last podcast you've listened to. Well, I'll give you the book because I, okay. I reread it again. Uh, okay. The Suspect by, um, uh, what's that? Kurt, Kent Alexander, and I forget the other young man's name. It's about uh, Richard Jewell. Oh, was, it, was that a Kevin Sawin one? Was that Kevin? And Kevin Sawin. That's yeah. the other author. Right, okay. The co-author. Yep. That book was phenomenal. And forget these movies. Uh, that book was really good. They was obviously Ken Alexander was involved at the time. Yeah. And um, it's so detailed. I enjoyed <clears throat> reading that for a second time. There's an ebook as well if someone doesn't want to read it. Okay. But I suggest anyone that's interested in Atlanta or was here back then or just moved here, you learn so much about Atlanta and Atlanta journalism from that book. Besides the fact that about the jewel case, it's a really yeah. interesting book. Yeah, I was I was here for all that. So yeah, there you I, were. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, favorite local restaurant. Everyone's gonna laugh, and if you again, if you follow me on Twitter, you know it's Corner Cafe down on Piedmont. Okay. My spot. I have a table there at this point. That, Since that's May, that's going, like next to your office, right? Yeah, it's down. Well, down down Peachtree, and then yeah. make a left on Piedmont, and I'm there. I just came for <laughs> this morning with a client all right. or, or subject, and I spend so much time there with my little meetings and what have you. It's my spot. I just love it there. That's so. good. You you walk in, they you don't even have to ask. They say, "Here, um, here's here's your coffee, Mister Say." <laughs> the oatmeal, oatmeal with the berries and brown sugar. You already know that. And the orange juice. Very good. All right. All right. Favorite favorite guilty pleasure. Oh, okay. What do I do that would be considered? Well, okay. Well, <laughs> I have to have. It feels like I shouldn't do this. I, I have to have a sweet tea almost every day, and it's almost not even something that I really want as much as I need. I need it near me. Yeah. That is that is that blanket. Yeah, my wife get it. Tells me I got to stop that though. Can I have just, something to something to hold on to? Right, you just need to sip, and it's actually over there where I move. Um, I always have to have it. It's it's not good though. You shouldn't, especially um from down here. The McDonald's stuff. Forget about it. Don't drink that stuff. <laughs> but right. I do. It's, it's a guilty pleasure because I know I I shouldn't have it. Do you have a, a fa- where, where do you get it? Is is there, do you have a favorite place you get it? Yes, yes, yes. The corner bakery. Not Corner Cafe, the Corner Bakery, right next to our office, right before you get to JLL. Yeah. Between Atlanta Business Chronicle. It's really good because it's not that sweet. It's almost like it's a, a Starbucks-esque, 
sweet tea. Gotcha. And, she, and when I go in there, she knows medium. And um, I get a medium cup all the time, and I'll hold on to it all day. But I, I love the flavor of that. All right. Okay, so um, what's a local getaway, a place you like to go to kind of get away from the, 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 the work? Well, getting away from the work, my wife and the kids, I have two kids, uh, Kayla's 17 and Chase is 7. We go to Atlantic Station. My family loves Atlantic Station. That's why I always, I'm always using it as the perfect example because it's, you don't have to shop. We don't, I don't, we don't even shop when we go, really. We'll go and we'll just walk around and look around and spend an hour there or something like that, kind of sit in that green space sometimes. Sometimes they'll play Atlanta United matches Well, when the season was on. Some, on Sundays, they'll play a Falcon game. Okay. Gotcha. And we'll just go there and kick it there for an hour, an hour and a half. Then we got to go get pizza on Fellini's on Ponds. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's kind of our thing. If we're going to go to the Atlantic Station, we usually hang out. Sometimes the girls will go off and shop and chase an hour, hang out in the green space, and then we'll all go get pizza on Ponds. All right. and the that's, in the city, that's a good spot. Okay. All right. So, and the last kind of fun question is favorite uh, non-work hobby. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm not writing then. Okay. So if I'm not writing and I'm not reading any uh, industry reports on <laughs> construction, <laughs> construction rates and hotel, um, hotels, <clears throat> then um, it's still reading though. It's still reading. Just not reading newspapers. Okay. It's reading books. Do, do you, you like a, uh, uh, non-fiction, fiction, or a combination of both? I'm or? a non-fiction guy. I'm a non-fiction guy. And I'm a biography guy if I can get it. Okay. I love to hear someone's story from beginning to end. That's why I kind of like your, your podcast. The Rodney Ho episode is one of my favorite because I didn't know he was he had that long of a career before he got here. So it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got a, a good story to tell. It's, well, it's kind of fun to – that's why I like doing this. It's a good way to kind of – get a feel for somebody and it's like, okay, you didn't just spring out of the ground and start exactly. writing for the business chronicle. And, and for, right. for people who are looking to get into, you know, the, the industry too, mm-hmm. it's understanding that you got to put it in the groundwork to, to get to the chronicle. You can't, I mean, the chronicle oh. doesn't hire people right out of school. Not uh, me. <laughs> not, not, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't and think they're out of school. Yeah. Yeah. But the, you know, the chronicles always had a, you know, a deep base of very talented reporters and, you know, a lot of them stay there for a long time. So, it's, and I worked with the paper for, I don't know, 35 years or so mm-hmm. going back, you know, before David Allison and, and Ed Baker. And well, Ed, 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 Ed was there, I guess, when I started, but uh, yeah. Yeah. But well, he's on 37 years. Pardon? Is he on 37? So let's see. So I think, uh, I think when, when I first met him, I think he was covering technology. I want to say, okay. I believe. <laughs> I, to, I, I think he was. I think he was there. You know, and, and it's funny because you know there there was a time in the mid '90s when every paper had a technology section or a technology writer, and they covered a lot of it. It's, you know, there's still a lot of it happening, but it's it just kind of gets covered. And now you've got uh, Atlanta Inno as your partner that kind of yes. covers the. And I report Erin Sharon. She does a really good job of that. She's great. Yeah, no, she's she's good. I think uh, she and I have talked uh, a bit yeah. here and there, different stuff. All right, so I always end it with you know the open ended. What are, what did I forget to ask you that we didn't talk about? Kind of question. Okay, I told you I was from New York, but I'm actually from Brooklyn. I tell people all the time, New York's a very big place. Where are you from? What city are you from? I'm from yeah. Brooklyn. I wanted to make sure I let that be known because okay. I can't they get on me about that. Cross cross the bridge. That's right. Cross the bridge. There you go. Yeah, and that's important for New Yorkers. I I grew up on Long Island, so. You, you know, go. people are like, oh, you're from New York. It's like, well, not from New York right. City, right. <laughs> from, right. from the from the island. You got to go. Someone the other day told me they're from. I'm from New York too. And I said, oh, great. Where are you from? And she said, um, Rochester. I said, oh, you from oh. New York State? She's like, oh, it's the same thing. I'm like, it's not. 
it takes me it'll take me five hours to drive to Rochester from Brooklyn. Yeah, that's 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 upstate, man. That's that's a long yeah. way. Yeah, that's not that's not here. That's a, that's uh, we we call that upstate. I, I think uh, I'm not sure if that's what they still call it, but that's what we used to call it, upstate. Oh, you're the upstate. You're the, my sister, my I had a cousin who went to school. She was from the island too, and they, she went to school in Syracuse. And you know, she did those winters there. She's like tough, tough, tough winter. You know, ten foot snow drifts. Cool, tough, tough, tough yeah. weather. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you very much, and. Uh, if you think of anything else, let me know, and uh, we'll we'll add it into the the show notes, as they say. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Very good. All right. Thanks, Daniel. Have a good one.